0: Hello and welcome to Are We There Yet? The podcast investigating the world changing ideas coming out of the workshops, labs, and secret test tracks at Shunde. Taking us to places where flying taxis, cars which adjust our emotions, and vehicles with rocket technology aren't just dreams, but are making their way into the cars we're driving and into our lives. I'm Susie Perry, and this podcast comes to you from Hyundai Motor Europe. We're kicking off with maybe the biggest challenge of all for engineers, designers, problem solvers, for all of us. How can motoring become greener? I'm with somebody who can help us. If you want to get into the head of Hyundai, you have to talk to the head of Hyundai. Michael Cole is president and CEO at Hyundai Motor Europe. Michael, did you pass your driving test first time? (laughs) Why did you have to
1: ask that question?
0: He's previously been essential within the group fabric heading Kia in the UK, Europe and America. It's fair to say that within his esteemed career, he's covered almost every field through accountancy and sales to president. Michael, welcome. It's lovely that you're joining us today. You've been in the industry for a few decades now, Michael. Thanks for reminding Uh, me. (laughs) different industry now isn't it to when you started Uh, are they even comparable I'm wondering I,
1: I, I guess they are in one sense that it's still about moving people but the advancement of the industry and the way the industry's changed has been pretty dramatic but more so in the last five years than in the previous 30 odd that I worked in it The the pace of change now is dramatic. And of course, in the last year, it's probably accelerated even further, not just in terms of product, but the way customers want to interact with us as well. You know, the whole idea of digitalization, you know, people wanting to look at buying cars online and the over-the-air updates to cars. It, it's such a transition from where we were even 10 years ago, let alone 35.
0: I, I want to ask you a pretty basic question, but I think it's very important. In the UK, most yes. people would say Hyundai, and I've heard Hyundai.
1: Yeah. What
0: is the, the right pronunciation? Because <laughs> obviously it's a Korean word.
1: The Korean pronunciation is Hyundai.
0: Hyundai. It has a good meaning, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I was going to say the origin of the word is modernity, which of course is very fitting for, you know, where we see ourselves right now and the transition that we see for the business in the coming years. And I was saying, to you, Susie, I know, I, I, talking about how long I've been in the business, and it's, it's incredible to think that Hyundai only developed its first vehicle in South Korea in 1975, so still a very young brand. I mean, we're, we're not even 50 years since we made our very first vehicle in South Korea.
0: This challenge of greener motoring. It's the sort of thing, isn't it, that inspires engineers and keeps them awake at night. Does it invade your dreams at all?
1: <laughs> yeah, I i don't think it invades my dream and it certainly doesn't stop me sleeping. It's hugely exciting though and I, and I think that's one of the things that I find most fascinating about our business right now, that we're going through such a transformation and The move towards electrification is a great opportunity. Um, Taking leadership um, and really making this contribution towards more environmental mobility is a key driver for us. Our goal is to be seen as the leader in electrification in the global market.
0: Is it in any sense daunting for you, looking at the size of the company, looking at the size of the challenge that's, that's ahead?
1: I mean, when you say daunting, I, I think anything that is such a big transition that requires not just the automotive industry, but also a lot of change to infrastructure. And we also obviously need to have the acceptance, really, on a wide scale of customers that electric vehicles offer them the mobility solution they want. And that to be honest, a few years ago looked like a very significant challenge. We've made such good progress in terms of the technology that we now believe we can deliver the product that will open up electrification really to most people. We actually already in Europe are one of the leading players. Last year, 13% of the sales of Hyundai in Europe were zero emission vehicles. We've got a number of products with full uh, battery electric vehicle, therefore zero emission and hydrogen vehicle. And we have what we call our all new dedicated EV lineup brand being introduced to Hyundai uh, in the middle of this year. Uh, The challenge still, of course, remains having sufficient infrastructure. We are also playing a part in helping develop that infrastructure, but we do need additional efforts, I think, from the European Union and, uh, and national government to support that. And and we want to see some commitment, really, to to ensure that that investment is made across Europe to create sufficient charging points so customers can be absolutely confident that they have the ability to charge their vehicle across Europe.
0: You've made a really good point there. Obviously, there are a lot of elements that have to come together in terms of infrastructure for this to be able to surge forward as a complete success. And I think probably there is still an image with electric vehicles about the charge, how often you have to charge, and even the design of the car as well. It seems that initially people were rather negative more than being positive about the situation. What what are you doing to change that?
1: It, it really is a case of thinking electrification is just another form of powertrain. We don't want the vehicle to be seen as something that is so different from, say, a standard vehicle. And, and to a degree, we've been able to do that through our product that, for example, our leading electric vehicle currently on sale in Europe is the Kona, and we offer that with internal combustion engine, powertrain as well. You don't have to be having a quirky vehicle or one that looks as though it's so futuristic that people would be reticent to drive it. So the charging side is something that we've been able to overcome with the advancement in technology because... Now, ranges of vehicles are significantly extended. So we launch an all-new dedicated EV later this year, which potentially has a range of up to 500 kilometers. So I think the range anxiety is becoming less of a concern for people. And I think also, of course, you know, and we're very grateful to those governments that have supported uh, the advancement of EVs, there's good subsidies, and the price points of EVs are now becoming more affordable to a, a greater range of people.
0: In terms of the technology that's coming through your workshops, what would you say is the most exciting
1: area at the moment? Aside of electrification, I think automation. There is this opportunity to develop driverless cars, so level five autonomy. Right now we're working on going to level three autonomy, where you effectively could have eyes off road. That could be in the market as early as next year. And then we're working enthusiastically on looking at level four and level five autonomy before the end of this decade. So technology that you wouldn't have believed was possible in everyday cars a matter of only a few years ago, and now we're putting them into cars, you know, for the masses. So that's exciting. And another area for us, which is a huge opportunity we think for Hyundai is hydrogen power. We are already on our second mass-produced hydrogen vehicle and we're looking at uh, expanding that part of our business in support of uh, hydrogen society.
0: We'll definitely come to that uh, a little bit later on. I want to talk to you about flying taxis because I mentioned <laughs> it in the opener and I, I you know, presented a gadget show for the best part of a decade. And I remember. We talked about <laughs> these kind of things and it, it seemed like such a futuristic idea and yet here we are yeah. with with you guys being rather serious about
1: it. No, definitely. I mean, you you say you talked about it on The Gadget Show. It it was not more than a couple of years ago when I'd formed a a top executive team to look at what was the future of our business and how did we think mobility might transition over the coming years. And I remember calling the first meeting and saying, look, I really want to push the boundaries here. I want everyone to have blue sky thinking, you know, come up with any ideas apart from flying cars. We are not going to talk about flying cars. (laughs) Uh, That was probably only about three years ago. And, uh, you know, I was in uh, Las Vegas where Hyundai unveiled the concept of urban air mobility. And you're right, that is very real. You know, our plans are by 2026 to have unmanned urban air mobility solutions for cargo type movement. By the end of this decade, again, ride hailing with, you know, movement of people. So, And then beyond 2030, you know, that will expand to intercity. It's incredible to think that's within the next 10 years, incredibly exciting for us to think that we're getting almost into flying cars.
0: Making great jumps. And we've talked previously about Hyundai being a follower, but, you know, perhaps it won't be long before they're a leader.
1: Yep. I think that is very true, I, and and some of that is a reflection, really, on you know, South Korea and the people of South Korea and the economy of South Korea. You know, the the, the rapid progression that's been made there. You know, to become you know, one of the leading developed economies in the world. I think a lot of the, maybe I would even say sacrifice that the people of South Korea made from from the 70s through their, their commitment, their work ethic, their passion and their desire to be successful, we certainly see that for Hyundai. We don't want to be a fast follower. You know, we see the opportunity to, to lead the way.
0: You're the first non-Korean CEO in the company. Yeah,
1: I, I joined the group 11 years ago, just over 11 years ago. I'd worked in an Asian company before, so I guess some of the Asian culture was known to me. But what's always inspired me, quite honestly, is the passion of the Korean nation and of the Hyundai group. You know, it struck me when I first joined because I, I saw these very ambitious plans. And, uh, and I think this comes from being a, you know, a a younger company and a and a fast moving company. You know, I, so one thing I've always enjoyed working within the group, the passion of the people that work here and the pride they have in the company. I, to some extent, maybe you could say previously as an underdog. But I'm not sure we can class ourselves as an entrepreneur anymore. We're now, you know, combined as a group with, a, with the fifth largest automotive group in the world. But that pride is still there and that passion is still there and that determination. If we if we set our mind to something, then we'll, we'll go out and we'll deliver it.
0: And what is your goal for the company? What are you bringing to the company?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm a numbers person. I started in the, the numbers side of the business and uh, my first objective always is to help us become the best we can in terms of taking market share. That's a very operational objective. But I think over the years, and I came to this role in Hinden Motor Europe in July last year, I'm really enjoying the challenge and creating this vision as who we're going to be as a company in Europe. And our goal is really to help the progress of humanity. You know, we want to be able to offer mobility but also we've, we've got this great commitment in terms of environmental and sustainability you know how do we help the world uh, become a better place in, in terms of ecologically and environmentally and, and that's a real drive for me now and I, I, I I'd be honest you know a few years ago would I have thought that I would have such a, a drive in that area probably not but I really see now that is our responsibility.
0: Yeah. And it's obviously a very important time that we get this right and no better place to look to our kids and, and what they believe. And, and they often drive us, don't they? They have some great ideas. Do you ever feel as though, you know, you're being inspired by
1: your children in terms of the future? With, without a doubt, Susie. I uh, My children, <laughs> they're now 25 and 23. And I, and I probably look at them and think about what's important to them versus what was important to me at, at their age. And i started work in Thatcherite britain i guess at that point there's a lot of uh, belief about entrepreneurship and being successful and when you work went to work for a company you were there to deliver the result for the shareholders so, you know i say so that that wasn't that was wrong but I, I don't think we had such a conscious thought about renewable energies um, Protecting the world that we live in, and and undoubtedly that's the approach that my kids now take. You know, they're wanting to work in areas that they believe will contribute to a better environment and a better world. And you know, uh, and, and I'm so proud of them for that. And actually, it's it's it has definitely rubbed off on me because I look at things differently than than I had before. And I see it, particularly even in the the brands they associate with. The reality is. I mean, my daughter in particular, she will only buy from brands that are acting, you know, 100% ethically. And I think that's one thing that's helping me. And that's why my drive towards making us a sustainable company and to looking about how, you know, not only through our products do we contribute to that the, the way we operate as a business you know what are we doing in terms of using renewable energy ourselves in our own operations through our manufacturing etc so this is a this is a big drive for me and uh, you know I, I do think it's so important and it's and it's come about a little bit through my kids uh,
0: you, you talking is making me smile your passion for the industry for the environment for everything that goes around that world is making me smile yeah. and it's obviously what makes you get out of bed absolutely Let's go back a little bit through your history of cars. It would be remiss for me not to ask you, what was the first car that you owned?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the first car I owned, it was actually when I joined the Ford dealership and I bought a Ford Escort Mark III. It was a 1.1 pop economy. (laughs) The fact that it was called a popular economy... I don't think it was because anyone was so concerned about the emissions, but probably about the cost of the fuel in the vehicle. So, you know, you had these two little lights. If, if you were a bit too heavy on the gas pedal, a light would turn orange, and if you put your foot down hard, it would turn red. It was fine for what it, what it was, but I, I, as a 1.1, I, as a young man, you don't want a 1.1 Escort, so I very quickly traded up to an XR3, and then sunburst red, and I thought I'd arrived when I got that car. That,
0: flashy. It was perfect
1: for the 80s. <laughs>
0: It was iconic in the 80s. I remember being at college and my best friend, her boyfriend had an XR3i and he was only her boyfriend because of the car he had. I yeah. seem to remember the power of cars always. It's extraordinary, isn't it? What's your favourite car, Michael?
1: Do you know, when I was a kid, I guess the, the car that always I just thought was just a beautiful car design wise and performance wise and it was a pretty rare beast a british car was the jensen interceptor i think it was partly the huge rear glass it had you know it was you've talked about the 80s top trumps yes of course well there were top trumps for cars and the jensen interceptor was the car that when you dealt out the cards you always wanted because you knew in most of the areas it would beat just about everything else in the deck so
0: that would have been your dream car at the time it would it would what about in terms of movie cars which one is uh... the, the,
1: the movie car would be the james bond aston martin from the 60s was it was in Goldfinger when he had the Aston Martin DB5, I think it was. And of course, I had a toy one of those with the ejector seat and the roof. In fact, it's still in my toy car collection somewhere.
0: Can I ask you about your favourite sound that a car makes? Oh, You may want to have an 80s one and a modern one.
1: I always enjoy that noise, you know, when you put your foot on the accelerator and you get an, a nice throaty roar. That sound is the one that I emotionally think about in terms of vehicles that's going to have to change with electric vehicles um, so, so uh, maybe we need some sound accentuator in the car just to give that feel of uh, I think
0: that would be good wouldn't yeah, it? yeah
1: I think so the sound that I really enjoy is, is the silence of some of the modern day cars in terms of the just the you hardly hear the tyre noise the wind noise not to have any disturbances is, is pretty wonderful, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that is a luxury.
1: <laughs> so the electric cars will, get, will certainly help in that area.
0: And in terms of uh, well, bringing some noise into the car, music while you're driving, do you listen to any music? Have you got a favourite driving track?
1: Yeah, I'm a, a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I like The Boss.
0: I knew you were going to say that. That's so bizarre.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, The Boss is a favourite of mine.
0: New album is amazing as well, by the way, isn't it? Really fantastic. It's superb. Fantastic,
1: fantastic.
0: One more quickfire question for you. Michael, did you pass your driving test first time?
1: <laughs> Why did you have to ask that question?
0: <laughs> I take it to know that Now,
1: I, apparently I approached junctions with too much confidence, i.e. too fast, and I, uh, I passed uh, parked vehicles uh, too close. So I, I passed second time by demonstrating that I was very cautious. Although I did have to take my test in the US a couple of years ago and I passed first time there, so that that makes me feel better.
0: we just flick back to the early days then you were just talking about your first job because it's interesting listening to you because you've got this accountancy side numbers being mathematical sales getting the figures getting all those spreadsheets right and yet also the design side of it you don't normally get those two areas together do you (laughs) i
1: I guess it probably shows i'm not a real accountant i mean i I, (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't a passion although do you know i can almost tell you the first sort of hour of the morning for me always you know obviously first of all getting up i still trust the BBC for my news, my global news. I like The first thing I do is look at the BBC website. But when I get to the office, I can't resist the first thing I have to do when I get here is go to the sales numbers for the previous day. And I love to analyse, you know, what's happened, you know, which segments in which countries are we selling well, where where are the risks, where are the opportunities. I still love pouring over those those numbers. (laughs) And that's the comfort area. But I love to get into this whole you know, future strategy, and you're right. The design of the cars. Um, whilst I, I'm not a technical person, you know, I can't fix a car. I, I've never been able to fix a car, but I love cars and I love design of cars. And I remember liking cars from being from being a kid. You know, it was always what I wanted. As a, if someone said, you know, what do you want for your birthday over Christmas? I wanted toy cars. I, I love toy cars and pushing them around on the carpet. And one of the things I've been fortunate enough to get involved in in recent years. Is going into the the design reviews and you know being able to give an opinion on what works, what doesn't work, and even a step back from that, getting involved in the concepts of what we need. You know, what is it we want for our market? I really enjoy that, and and nothing makes me prouder when you see a project that you've had some input to, and this beautiful car you know rolls off the production line for the first time, and and to know that you've played a part in that, and it's going to be a Hopefully a great success is, is you know, that, that's, that excites me.
0: Michael, this podcast, it's all about the ideas and technology coming from Hyundai. And one of the things I'm excited about is, is the hydrogen fuel cell. Using the tech that's been in the space shuttle and not just cars, all kinds of things. How far do you think it can take us?
1: We really believe that there is huge potential for hydrogen you know we 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 are already on our second generation car we we have the Nexo which we introduced in 2018 but where we're really making some big strides right now is in other transport as well and and one of the areas we're developing first is heavy duty trucks so the first vehicles went out on delivery a few months ago but here it's not just about you know making the vehicles available we're also creating the the charging points and even the production of green hydrogen to be able to fuel the vehicles we see that then there's a, there's a great opportunity for passenger car.
0: Hydrogen, clearly a game changer. Is that because it's cleaner? And if so, is it more expensive to implement in the first instance?
1: Yeah, it's like, I guess it's like all technologies. I mean, the product is more expensive and the production of the hydrogen currently is more expensive. But we see the potential with mass production. Uh, ultimately, this is not only offers good range, it offers obviously very quick refueling. And with green hydrogen, uh, you know, a very clean technology. That's why it's such an important part of our plan for the next few years.
0: It, it sounds like it could be a game changer, certainly within the racing world. It's talked about a lot. Yes. You know, we have the electric, we have the e-racing now, but, you know, a lot of diehard pure uh, petrol racers would say, look, it's not clean until it's hydrogen.
1: Yeah, and uh, our efforts in terms of fuel cell technology and development are not only to go into passenger vehicles and trucks, we see an opportunity to go into all other spheres, including more domestic areas as well in terms of hydrogen power. This drive towards a hydrogen society is uh, is very real for us. Yeah. I-, I think it's going to give us that better quality of life, not only environmentally but socially.
0: This podcast is asking, are we there yet? And I suppose the answer is that you're very much working on it and these are obviously breakthrough technologies that are coming to the forefront. What are you most excited about?
1: Really excited about what we're doing this year at Hyundai because we we introduce our new dedicated EV lineup. We've got this new electrified global modular platform and the first vehicle off that platform is introduced around the middle of this year, the IONIQ 5. I'm, I'm excited about hydrogen and the fact that we're not just working on the products, but we're working on the infrastructure And of course, then longer term, you talk about all these new mobility solutions and urban air mobility, you know, and something that I never thought in my lifetime, I would see the sort of flying car concept. So that makes me hugely excited. And I think that's the key thing. You know, there is so much happening. It's not the business I entered back in 1983. You know, we're now talking about totally different forms of mobility. And that's hugely exciting. So I guess if you ask the question, are we nearly there yet? I'm not sure we ever get there because this thing is constantly moving and that's what makes it such good fun.
0: Moving goalposts. Michael, it's been absolutely joyous talking to you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Susie. I've enjoyed it.
0: If you're interested in finding out more about the vision for mobility solutions at Hyundai, visit hyundai.com. In the next episode, we're going to be heading to Hyundai's secret test track. Finding out how technology which powered the Space Shuttle is helping motor racing go green. Don't forget to subscribe to the Are We There Yet? podcast from your usual podcast provider. It means that you won't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.